0: Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is CM Alexander with the news. In fashion, the season's hottest trending looks for the post-apocalypse have been revealed. Ladies, since money is no longer a factor, keep the price tags on everything. Gentlemen, for you, this season is all about matching coats with the boys. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. <laughs> Dairy Public
1: Radio.
0: Welcome back to Derry Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, C.M. Alexander, alongside Joshua Kahn. Hey, everybody. And Benjamin Graham.
1: What's up, constant readers?
0: And today we are back with another episode of The Sit, where we react to and discuss the most recent episode of The Stand, and Josh is leading our discussion.
2: Yes, today we just watched episode four, The House of the Dead. I am shocked that I am excited that we opened this episode with the committee meeting. Just, what is your guys' (laughs) first impression of the committee meeting?
0: Way more exciting Than in the book in the original (laughs) miniseries,
2: (laughs) my thought of this whole episode
1: kind of is this whole episode felt like they crammed all of the stuff from the middle of the book that was boring, yes, into one episode,
2: (laughs) and they like yeah they did an amazing job of that.
1: Yeah, but it still made most of the episode kind of boring for me. (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: I mean, yeah, I I liked having it broken up and like simplified having less bickering over the philosophy of leadership. Yeah. But it was still just a lot of people sitting around and talking (laughs) and also at the expense of. The cooler parts of the episode, which I wish wish there would have been more of. Yeah. The flashbacks? The finally meet, getting more of Nick and mm-hmm. Tom on the road meeting Julie Laurie. The shootout where we finally meet Dana Jurgens.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All that stuff. Wish there would have been more of. Yeah.
0: Because it's such a short series. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could have an episode just entirely about that buildup and it would have been exciting and awesome. But I think that this episode is where the format, the structure of the show really serves them the best. Because Mm, that mm. committee stuff and and the votes and everything is kind of so boring. (laughs) Yeah.
2: What this has done that I think they did better than the book and the original miniseries is this is the first time I've seen this committee and thought, that's a team. Yeah, yeah they they really have a team dynamic they've built and i think that the meetings that we saw really built all that like this very first one they're doing the meeting to have the vote for who is going to run things permanently and the crowd gets out of control and franny just makes this aside to larry like who here's managed uh, large crowds of people more often and he's just like, ah, fuck it. And he gets up and he handles it like a champ and then doesn't overstay when he's gotten the crowd in control, passes it back to Sue. And it just it didn't need an elaborate plan. It just naturally the team mm-hmm. fell into it. And mm-hmm. I thought that was
0: rad. That Larry handed that guy his ass in the classiest <laughs> way yeah. you can do that. And it was perfect.
1: I guess I'm going to be the the naysayer for this whole episode. I did yeah. like the episode by the way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but my my one problem though i wanted to point out was this is also the scene where it transitions into the vote for leadership mm-hmm. except it doesn't really it's just suddenly they're like is there anything else and harold stands up and does the almost word for word mm-hmm. i say we bring on the ad hoc committee in toto to lead and all of the committee look at each other like, what? But having, if you had not read the book, that would have been just like, okay. You don't get the power dynamic of, well, everyone was kind of afraid Harold would stand up and what he would do. Yeah. You don't get that. There, There's nothing about Harold feeling left out because he feels he should have been on the committee. You, we get that Harold is turning bad and there's something wrong with him, but his whole like, his journal his rambling manifesto we don't get like (laughs) his whole motivation seems to be stew moved in on which to be fair most of it is But there's so much more to it there's so
2: much more to harold
1: that just isn't there
2: i love the grin on his face though after he nominates them yeah (laughs) it's I I love the
1: dude that plays Harold. Yeah, I honest to God, he's amazing. Absolutely.
0: I think everybody in this so far has done a fantastic job. Everybody's just killing their roles. Especially Tom Cullen made me cry.
1: Oh my god, <laughs> uh, Tom! I I turned yeah. Tom Cullen's yeah. good. It's <laughs> he's also a good actor. I've loved I love him in everything mm-hmm. I've seen him in. If you haven't watched
2: Justified, like, go watch Justified Season 2. He's amazing. After the meeting, we have the wonderful seduction that we all loved when it happened in the book.
0: I was worried about this. Yeah? Because I love Shawnee Smith so much. (laughs) She is the perfect Julie. She's...
2: No. no. The Nadine...
0: Oh! Oh my god, no. I blacked that out because... (laughs) No, oh, I take back what I said. I did not love this scene so much. (laughs) It is disgusting. So
2: something that's interesting that uh, we get in this episode, we get the uh, Nadine and Harold and then later we get Nick and Julie Laurie. And I made the same note without realizing that they both happened in this episode. Thinking back to when we talked about this initially, that both. Harold and Julie are children. Yeah. Harold's what? 17 and Julie's mm-hmm. 16. In the In book. the book I, yeah, I don't sure. feel like Julie Laurie is yeah. much older. Yeah, they well, I'm I'm sure to, they to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it just it clicked that uh, I remember that being the thing that was so off-putting about mm-hmm. both of those scenes. And it's funny that they just happened to be in the same episode of the remake. But the uh, the seduction scene with Nadine, I really kind of liked it. It, it was, was well done, <laughs> very well
1: done, because the actors put across. It, it came across as gross as it is. Yes, like uh-huh. they did not try to make it sexy.
0: No, they didn't try to feed it to us like it was okay and we should be like, ooh, what's happening? (laughs) Yeah, it
1: was like Nadine was grossed out by it. Harold was ashamed, confused, (laughs) and ashamed (laughs) when he literally jizzed in his pants. Yeah, it was a very yucky scene. (laughs) And for that, it was very good.
2: Yes. (laughs) What did you guys think about the interpretation of the zoo? I know I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but as instead of a, a group of people with a bunch of female slaves, mm-hmm. uh, it's just one dude in a semi who has set up this trap to get people who you are coming know,
0: by. I have to admit something here. Yeah. You've referenced the zoo a number of times yeah. during the sit. Mm-hmm. And it's been a while. And I couldn't remember quite what you were talking about because I'm like, the stand okay there. Do they go to the zoo? <laughs> Do they like free animals? Or... No, I don't but that'd be an awesome scene. And I, I, I told myself this lie where Larry and Rita freed some zoo animals, <laughs> and so when you brought it up just now, I was like, "Oh, oh I was wrong. What are you talking about? You meant the human zoo of of raped and drugged women?" Yeah, I liked mine better. <laughs> <laughs> it was you. kinder, gentler. It was a better world. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this scene also very unpleasant. It, very uncomfortable intense. This
0: scene was so uncomfortable intense. It was so powerful that afterwards I I lost track of the episode because I was still living in it and like kind of replaying it and just recovering from it. That I missed part of the back and forth between Stu and Franny later. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we... Oh, God. Harold and Franny, after Harold makes a, a move, which, okay, guys, ask for permission. Seriously. You want to kiss a lady? Super. Ask for permission. It's hot when you ask for permission. So consent he, is
2: sexy.
0: Consent is sexy. Yeah. T-shirt. Yep. So he huh. he goes in for With the... uh,
1: Stephen King's face on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Stephen and, King's know, face. I think Harold... So we're also doing Christine at the same time. And I think Harold should have maybe tried, like, the Dennis move, the one kiss, two kiss, three kiss, <laughs> <laughs> But he didn't. Uh, and, of course, Fran rejects him. And they, the next morning, are driving and there's a semi in the middle of the road. And he's like, oh, some douchebag left this here. And we see the driver, you know, dead in the front seat. Except he's not dead. He opens his eyes, pulls a gun, and and here we have our uh, our tragic I think it was, sex slavering. <laughs> I think
2: it was so much more powerful to make it a one-on-one Mm-hmm. As opposed to the the wild shootout in the book is awesome. Mm-hmm. But it's so much more personal. It, it
1: works in the book because it's a book. Mm-hmm. And it has that speed of, yeah. oh shit, things went south so fast. But this being a different medium, it makes sense to to stretch it out and yeah. make it more of a character moment of <laughs> Harold being... Browbeaten and humiliated. I felt bad by this for dude. Him. Oh, absolutely. It was so
0: tragic. Because, I mean, he's just a kid.
1: Yeah, this guy, this awful piece of shit, gives this speech of how, like, you know, now it's the strong, eat the weak, and I can take whatever you want. But I'm going to give you a chance. If you can beat me, you get the the pride, he calls yeah. it. Yeah. Gross. And, like, starts fist fighting Harold, meaning, starts punching harold and yeah it, it's sad and he just gets the shit he kicked he, out of him he
0: does get in a good punch he punches him and i love it's so real because he punches the guy and he makes uh, a connect. he hits him yeah. hard and then he's like oh and he's you hear the r-
2: crunch i thought he broke his uh, hand yeah. but, but what i love the most is he so he pulls his other trophy women out and during the meeting at the beginning they were showing close-ups of people in the crowd and they showed a close-up of somebody and I'm like who is this person we haven't seen this person Mm -hmm. yet and then at this point as he lines them all up that girl was in the middle and I was just I just said out loud, I hope that's Dana Mm Jerkins and it is
1: the this part because I didn't notice that she was in the the beginning of the episode so she's there's Fran and these two other women and I'm also like, I hope one of them is Dana Jurgens because she's like mm. one of the coolest characters Absolutely. in the book. But I didn't know which one. Yeah. And so when they're like looking over at this big rusty pipe that's over on the side, I'm like, okay, which one of them is going to be Dana Jurgens and which one's going to be the other one that's like all like comatose mostly. Yeah.
2: And it turns out it's just Dana Jurgens. Because <laughs> 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 that woman gets surprise shot in the face.
0: Yeah.
2: That was wild. But yeah, she bashes his head in and it's glorious. I'm really glad she got the kill as opposed to any of the guys with guns.
0: I thought she was going to go for a little more bashing, Mm -hmm. but I am okay that she stopped. Um, (laughs) And Stu Stu and Glenn have really good timing. They show up in the nick of time. So this guy's distracted and that's how they get the drop on him.
2: Yeah. And you get to see them that night kind of build that traveling team Mm -hmm. Greg Kinnear's pissing me off because mm-hmm. I love Glenn <laughs> Bateman and I'm so upset about it. Just the way he talks Harold like down basically. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, he has the same Glenn Bateman speeches without sounding condescending yeah. and like shitty. He's just like, oh, you're a man of science. I get that. I, that, or what he's saying, I know what's wrong with you. You're yeah. a man of yeah. science.
0: Well, and he doesn't even convince him. He just talks him into a, a corner and Harold knows it. Yeah, you can't argue. And it's, it's so, so cool. good.
2: It's so good. It's because he is finding a way to compliment him. Mm-hmm. Like he's building using language that builds him up and being like, yeah, you're disagreeing because you're super smart and attractive and <laughs> a real go getter. And you don't <laughs> look like Jim Carrey at all. <laughs> uh, and it's great. And we got to see him eat a payday. That was (laughs) That was a nice subtle thing. I didn't catch it until you said it. Then
0: later, when he he has on his uh, ski vest, which is or ski jacket, which is what they give the new Nightwatch crew to show them to show the townspeople that those Mm. are the crew. And he pulls out a brochure. I thought he was going to pull out a payday because we hear crows and he's Mm. like having this moment where he's looking at Stu and he has to turn around and breathe heavily because he's upset. And I just thought I thought the payday was going to be flags like signed him like calm down not yet <laughs> have a payday
2: you're not you when you're hungry <laughs> <laughs> different candy <candidate>. bar <laughs> we get the the stew and fran conversation fran mentions her dream about the dark man mm-hmm. and i thought that was a, not a fun easter egg <laughs> but it's something that you know we talked about a lot so i'm really glad i'm really glad they're making the choice to not ex- maybe explore all of these things that are really exciting from the book, but they're really doing a great job of just dropping little
0: mm-hmm.
2: nods to all of them. And mm-hmm. I absolutely love that.
0: I think it's okay in this case to give do a little more of that fan service because mm-hmm. The Stand has been out for a long time. Right. We had a miniseries. You can, you can make things less explicit.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, in this particular case, seeing Randall Flagg chase her down with... A A coat hanger hanger (laughs) is a bit much when the same amount of like kind of shock value of just the offhanded mention of I'd rather dream of an old lady than a psycho with a coat hanger. Yeah. Just Mm -hmm. that is enough to make you go,
2: why is, oh, fuck.
0: (laughs) Although I did want Stu to be like, yeah, I've dreamt of coat hangers.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I got locked in a closet once. It was rough important question is the rock going to show up i pray
1: to, <laughs> i have never wanted anything
2: more in my entire
1: goddamn life holy shit
0: oh but if he he can't because that guy's dead now and it would make me so sad I, oh, no I, oh, yeah. he's the well, one i wanted to see him. N- no
1: i don't care i don't care <laughs> so the, there's teddy
2: Wizak, yeah who's like he's a character right yeah no he's he's not Harold's buddy in yeah. the book, like he is in the series, but it's such a great mm-hmm. compliment to put onto Harold's character in the series.
1: So anyway, uh Teddy, in the last episode, I don't even know if we mentioned it, but it was just a one-off bit where he's going through a house with uh Harold, and he starts picking out DVDs, and Harold's like, what the hell? And he's just like, uh, eventually the power's gonna yeah. come <laughs> back on. I want stuff to watch. We can show him in the rec hall, whatever. And... <laughs> There's this really tense moment that CM talked about with Harold getting mad at Stu and brooding, and we hear the crow, mm-hmm. and he pulls out a brochure about the ski patrol and how they use dynamite to control avalanches. And you're like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. But then Teddy walks over holding a Blu ray, and he's like, man, you think the rock's still alive? <laughs> And he's just holding a copy of some rock movie. It's the
0: the skyscraper. skyscraper. (laughs) I pray
1: to God we get to Vegas and the rock (laughs) is just there as
2: himself. Yeah.
0: I love that Harold is like, yeah, man, sure. Yeah, maybe he is. Anything's possible.
2: If if the rock shows up in Vegas, what do you want to see him doing? (laughs)
1: Literally
2: anything. It does not matter. Let's I want to see. see him with a microphone bringing Randall Flag to the podium like just if you're some man <laughs> I just want him to be
1: in Flag's crew. You know, yeah. they have uh <laughs> the cook, what was the cook's name? A uh, trash can man, the rat man, uh the ki- not not the kid, but the there was the one other guy that had a weird deal. He was like a weird <laughs> gambler. <laughs> you know, who, ace yeah. something. It doesn't matter. That whole crew. I just want the Rock to be
0: there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, next we get we get the spy talk, which God could have been so boring. But Instead,
0: it was heartbreaking. Yeah. Holy shit. Okay. How did they? So of course you know we know that Larry uh, votes for or brings up the name for Judge Reinhold. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <What's> no. <right? laughs> Judge Reinhold judge as Reinhold. himself.
2: Oh my God, that'd be that's a great cameo. <laughs> What's the
0: judge's name? Judge Ferris. Judge Fa- No, know? that's not right. Yeah, it is. So the judge. Judge who Judy. Is, is a lady, which is cool. <laughs>
1: judge Judy Ferris.
0: <laughs> judge Judy. They talk to her and then he sends her off. And we haven't really gotten any of her, but somehow I liked her immediately. Yeah. And I was sad that she was leaving and I could feel... All of the experiences that they had together in those brief moments. How did they do that? She had
1: three lines. Three lines. And you're immediately like,
2: yeah, I get this character. Yeah. I want to root for this character forever. Yeah. Well, I love it because she just, she's a, you can't be mad at a strong older lady. No. Like, there's just something so cool that she sits there and, because the first one they go through is Dana. And Dana Mm -hmm. is like, oh, a suicide mission? Yeah, game on. (laughs) And then... Judge Ferris is like, I'd uh, be a, a coward to say no at this point. And you're like, fuck And I'm like, oh Jesus. Because I, I think in the book also is it's kind of a
0: He gets why. He's like, yeah. I, I get it. I'm old and it's okay. I'm expendable, but that's okay. I can do this. And right. I'm willing to do it.
2: And I got that same kind of power mm-hmm. from her that was like, This is this is the thing I can do with the rest of my life to make things better. Mm-hmm. And then <sighs> the talk about Tom Cullen. How did you guys feel about the... Uh, just from the point of nominating him to the point of the sit-down with him?
0: The sit-down with him broke my heart like it did in the book. It was different from the book. They didn't have... They didn't put him under hypnosis. I'm so glad. It it was... It, and that was a powerful scene in the book. Yeah, not translating probably as well into the show. And actually, we've seen it translated mm. into the show in the original. But he's so genuine and vulnerable and amazing.
1: I had some weird mixed feelings about this this scene yeah. because they're trying to toe a line with Tom Cullen. And overall I think they're doing really well because they are tra- they're portraying him as a person with mental disabilities, but they're portraying him as capable so that they don't have to hypnotize him because He doesn't need special magical powers from God to be able to do this thing, Mm -hmm. which is great. But on the other hand, everyone is automatically on board with it. Everyone in the committee, like no one objects. Fran kind of objects at the end. She's like, well, I could vote no and keep my moral high ground, but I won't because I want to vote with you guys or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But no one, I feel like, no matter how capable he is, I think it would be reasonable for people to be like, let's try and think of someone else because he's a vulnerable person and they're still taking advantage of him.
0: I think they try to address that, though, because Glenn brings up the point, can he consent to do this? Like, Mm -hmm. like they want to make sure when they talk to him, they know he'll say yes, Mm -hmm. but they want him to... Not just say yes, they want him to consent, like really understand and say yes. So I feel like that's how they were accounting for that issue mm-hmm. of, you know, taking advantage of someone who might not quite fully understand the situation okay. he was being put in. So I I bought it.
1: Uh, that said, the scene where he leaves, Ugh. that oh, was God. a fucking heartbreaker.
0: Ben pointed out that... Nick and Tom were wearing matching coats. So they're fucking
1: wearing cute. matching jackets. And I wanted
0: to cry. Just as
1: Tom is like, I wish my main man Nick could come with me. And then it pans out and they're wearing matching jackets. <laughs>
2: it's so fucking cute. And it's so
1: cute and they hug and it's adorable and makes me incredibly sad. Yeah. Knowing that what is coming. Oh, fuck. Yeah. That, oh my. That's
2: Oh, oh just- <laughs> no! Oh, it just hit me. Yeah, that's the last that's the time last. they see each
1: other.
0: <gasps> oh, <laughs> we're gonna. Oh get- god! Mm-hmm. I'm
2: so upset.
0: I'm yeah, so it's so
1: upset. Fucking heartbreaking.
0: Before the scene, we got that background with Nick and Tom when mm-hmm. they meet Julie. Julie, I'm Laurie. trying not to call her Shawnee. <laughs> and <laughs> just
2: I- being a class A bitch.
0: Oh yeah, horrible. Just. Anyway, she sucks real mm. hard. The actress is doing a great job because yeah. you hate her and you're supposed to. But you see their camaraderie a lot in that scene. And mm. I thought it, it was really well done.
1: I'd really love to hear the opinions of this scene, of, of the Julie Lurie scene from someone who hasn't read the book or seen the original one, because within... 30 seconds of meeting Nick Andros, they're making out. And I can only imagine someone who hasn't read the book and knows, yeah, that's what happens, going, come on. <laughs>
0: well, oh, really? She does, she does say it's been so long since I've seen another person. Yeah. So I feel like you're like, oh, she's just, yeah, she's it ready. could have been anybody. <laughs>
2: Uh, She's 16 and what? She
0: should have met the guy in the semi.
2: Oh, oh yeah. Uh, 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 no, she uh, would have
0: destroyed him. Uh, you guys know that. Okay, that's
2: fair. <laughs> should have put that shotgun straight up his ass.
0: Uh, it's foreplay.
2: Uh, oh, no. No. Hold of the kid. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Jeez.
0: All right, are uh, we done yet? I,
2: <laughs> no, I, I do want to talk about Julie Laurie a little bit more. Okay. It's, it's delicate, but it happens in all the original series the book and now the demonstration of her being so fucking mean
0: an ignorant bitch
2: yeah (laughs) oh yeah she's just she says shitty things Mm -hmm. and they have done a lot of good changing the language used in the book and in the miniseries, like they, because everything is being so updated, mm-hmm. how did you guys think about how they handle it? Because it's a, it's a very delicate she, scene to make her. She has to be mean enough that you immediately hate her, but obviously they, they don't want to cross that line back. How no, do you feel like they handled it? Pulls out several slurs. Oh, oh, she sure does.
0: I don't think they told the line. I think they went for it. Yeah, they let her be insulting, and ignorant, and just rude and horrible and. They showed Nick's disgust with her that the audience feels. Mm -hmm. Well, they should feel. If you don't feel that, go fuck yourself (laughs) sincerely. Yeah. And then Tom got very upset because Tom is living in a world where people are, in general, a little more understanding of people who aren't just like them. And so here they haven't seen anybody for so long. And they meet someone who could be that bridge of communication between them. And she kind of does that for a minute, although still like an asshole. And she
2: does give him his uh, Nick's name, yeah. And then he's like, "Nixter."
0: Yeah, you see Tom reacting to that, and that's heartbreaking too Mm -hmm. because he understands that she is being insulting. And I, I thought, I I hate to see that, but that still happens, and we need to see Mm -hmm. that. Just like racism still happens; like it's still a problem. We can't just hide from it.
2: I really loved that because again, because they're giving Tom a little more agency Mm -hmm. uh, in this. She, she calls him a name and he physically reacts as though he's being slapped, Mm -hmm. which is heartbreaking. But then he follows it up with the, the lady who taught him his whole speech that he runs. I forgot her name, but he says, uh, she says that labels are just limitations. Yeah. And I was like, fuck yeah, Tom, I got really excited Mm -hmm. about that. But it also made me even more sad at her being so mean because it just shows how much more he understands.
0: And then when she apologizes and he turns around and you can tell that he probably would have given her a second chance, Mm -hmm. not because he doesn't understand, but because he has a big heart. Right. And then Nick was like, hell no, we are (laughs) leaving. And then she tries to shoot them with a shotgun and it's. That's great.
1: (laughs) Which leads us to our, uh, I think our final thing we'll be speaking about. Second to last. Second to last. Stephen, oh yeah, that's right. The um, Stephen King's cameo. Yeah!
2: (laughs) They they run from Julie and they hide in that bus stop. And there's a poster for Hemingford Home, the nursing home. confused
1: me. (laughs) So I was like, why does a little shack out in the middle of nowhere have a...
2: (laughs)
0: She was having a dinner party a and they wrote about it. And with put it Stephen
2: on King on it. I love that they just put Stephen King in that photo. Because it's very clearly him just photoshopped yeah. on yeah. top of an existing photo. What'd you How guys think you guys, of
0: that? Oh, it was great. I loved it. It was fine. The
1: <laughs> Hemingford home was a nursing home. I hated that. Oh, Honestly, that, was, that might be the first thing in this whole series that I'm like, oh, I hate that change. Because <laughs> uh, it changes Mother Abigail is an independent, fucking strong-as-nails old lady who does whatever the fuck she wants by herself. Yes, That's what makes her so fucking cool. And to put her in a nursing home, Mm -hmm. like, there's nothing wrong, obviously, with being in a nursing home. It's nothing wrong with needing help, but it takes away something from her character, I think. Agreed.
0: Disagree. I also huh. thought it was assisted living, and I think that uh, what it's saying is Mother Abigail can still be this fierce woman and also accept help from other people when she needs it.
2: But doesn't that kind of, I guess, kind of undercut her... I don't know if they're going to do the her walking off, mm-hmm. like her pride being her downfall. Mm-hmm. Like the asking for help is kind of taking... just is, is keeping your pride in check. I
0: don't think so, because I think sh- this is... Uh, Something new, you know, God talking to her like Mm -hmm. this and leading her through this. And I think it's okay for her to to get a big head about it and and have this flaw. Like it doesn't have to be a flaw that she's always had, because this is an entirely new situation that does not normally happen. So I didn't I mean, you're making a great point and it makes sense, but it didn't make me dislike it or think it diminished anything.
1: Yeah. It's It's such a small change. Yeah. Like it's not that important Mm -hmm. but it did rub me the wrong way
0: i think if we'd gotten more of her if this was a longer miniseries they probably would have done that but it's hard to convey that you know all this stuff about her in a flashback we're not getting as much mother abigail honestly so far
2: and that's what i was wondering about is i thought maybe eventually like just before the end of mother abigail we were going to start getting some flashbacks and i wanted to see you know her getting up and, you know, uh, ha- hand pumping her own her water, her walking the two miles super right. slowly to the neighbor's house. Like, I wanted to see some of that in her. And by this move, it's it's just a definitive, we're just not going to get right. that. yeah. And that's fine. Like I said, it's a small detail, but I There's I agree. some
0: disappointment that th- that means we're not going to see those right. character traits that kind of make her who she is.
2: And the last thing that we're going to leave on is the, the ski resort. Ugh. uh As we mentioned, the the plan when Nadine comes to Harold and then Harold comes to Nadine, hey yeah, uh. is that she's going to do whatever he wants until he kills everybody and they can leave and go be with the dark man. He needs to come up with the plan. So he finds out that they use explosives to correct avalanches and essentially with these explosives set the air on fire. Uh, That's a real like controlled avalanches.
0: Ah, So that the avalanche doesn't happen while people are scared. Uh,
2: Okay. I miss, I was like, (laughs) I did not follow that thread. Exactly. I just knew there were explosives.
0: And it set the air on fire. (laughs) And it set the air on fire.
2: And the day they turn the power on, Harold and Nadine go up and they break into a container, start unloading dynamite. The power comes on. Everyone back in Boulder is super excited. Larry is playing the Star Spangled Banner (laughs) like he just learned how to use a guitar. (laughs) He's concentrating so
0: So hard. I wonder wonder if that actor... You know, got the role, but didn't play an instrument and has been re- just really jamming, just trying to get <laughs> it working. ready for this scene. Working kudos it. Kudos to him.
2: <laughs> uh, but they referenced earlier that when they turn the power on, the team that is not the police force, but uh, the, town watch. the town watch is to go around and turn off any excess lights. Mm-hmm. Who should show up? But Teddy wyzak shows up because the ski resort lights all came on. He's there to turn them off.
0: Was Harold not? aware of that conversation
2: he, and he expecting
0: was there. that uh, somebody might be showing up to check on his life. See,
2: if I was Harold, I would have first thing gone and turned all that shit off. Or
0: I would have been like, I got the ski resort dibs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it. that's another thing of
1: Harold. The, the I'm smarter than everyone yeah. Harold mm-hmm. isn't really. <laughs> it's just weird, creepy Harold.
0: Yeah, because Teddy shows up and... Nadine's got this cart full of explosives. And he's like, oh, hey, you know, what you doing? What's up? Is you got school, school supplies? supplies? At, the, <laughs> at the ski resort. <laughs> That's oh, it's fine. so great. He's like, let me help you with that. And she looks, she's doing a great job looking like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. And then Harold comes up and he's like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. And we all thought that Harold was going to kill Teddy. But actually, Nadine kills Teddy.
1: Honestly, we should have known. Uh, Harold has shown <laughs> uh, yeah. absolutely no fucking get up and go this whole series and
0: nadine has been less torn she's Mm -hmm. she's all in for the dark man and probably because it's alexander skarsgård i get it
1: (laughs) we did not see it all this episode are
0: you okay i'm not this episode sucks
2: (laughs) (laughs) but it's so it's so heartbreaking one because uh, teddy has been like harold's best friend he's the
0: guy who gave him the nickname hawk Yeah. yeah
2: and just to see the first of all the confusion when he sees Harold and Nadine together and he's like oh he, hey guys cuz he know he's yeah. told Harold that he likes Nadine and so i'm sure like that was a weird moment for him and then he gets shot Harold runs up and grabs him and he just says run like he's still in his last moments he's looking out for Harold cuz he thinks that she's going to like shoot him next yeah. and it's just Fucking heartbreaking, and the only reason nobody heard that gunshot is because Larry's down there playing the Star Spangled Banner, <laughs> and that's where we leave off. It's Just a a great shot. Like of all, there's been a few bummers in this episode. Mm-hmm. That was a bummer. I was not expecting to.
0: No, to wrap from a up character with. who really didn't make an impact on me in any of the other adaptations or work, and yeah. like, dang it. I want this. I don't want that guy to die.
2: Yeah, they put in just, I think, the perfect amount of work to make him charming and endearing for these first four episodes. And I
0: appreciate that so much because normally you get a, a TV show that kind of has that like thought at the last minute. So they haven't put in that, that groundwork. Mm-hmm. And to have that here, it just tells me that everybody involved is really thinking about what they're doing and yeah. cares about it. And I love that.
2: So uh, let's go around. Any final thoughts on this episode? Anything we didn't get to talk about that you want to talk about? Anything you're looking forward to for maybe next episode?
0: I'm hoping that Alexander Skarsgård is in the next episode. (laughs) Of course. That's it.
2: I
1: swear to God, if we do not get Trash Can Man, next episode, I'm rioting. (laughs) Um, That being said, I do, I I would be willing to bet next episode takes place almost entirely in Vegas. I was just going to say that.
2: I'm really hoping next week is Vegas week. Just like on The Bachelor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us next time when we cover the next episode of The Stand. For Joshua Kahn and Benjamin Graham. I'm C.M. Alexander reminding you, you don't have to lie. Just don't say more than you know. Hey everyone, C.M. Alexander here. Thank you for listening to the fourth episode of The Sit. We hope you're enjoying this new format for this new miniseries. I'm sorry I don't have any outtakes or behind-the-scenes stuff for you guys this time, I'll just ask that you check us out on social media. If you haven't already done so, you can find us at Dairy Public Radio, or you can send us an email at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. As always, we have the website constantreaders.org for everything Stephen King and Stephen King adjacent. And if you're looking for more perks and bonus episodes and merch, please check out our Patreon, patreon.com dairypublicradio. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.